0: Sometimes when there was only, um, you know, like one small piece of cake left, you know, you know what I'm talking about, one one small piece of pie or, or whatever it was left, and then we all wanted it and it needed to be shared among us. Um, rather than, you know, cut things and have people argue about which was, the, who had the bigger piece and, and, and all of that, um, what my mother would inevitably choose to do with the wisdom of Solomon. She would, she would invite one person to cut it, and the other person got to choose which piece they... The rulers came out, the... the you know, we, we did everything short of, of bringing out scales to ensure that there was absolute parity and, and absolute fairness in all things. But the thing is, things aren't always fair. Things aren't always just in that way. I, I, I have a, a friend, um, my, my dear friend Rachel, has a nephew that, that when, he, who, who, when he just became a Christian, found himself um, in a situation at his school, he was about eight years old, with a bully. And he knew that god loved him he knew that god was powerful and that god was fair and so that allowed him to approach this situation with confidence Um, and he was absolutely sure that god would deliver him from the hand of this bully he continued to be sure through this bully's wind up and was sure 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 right until the moment of impact when fist hit nose. He learned a, t- a really tough lesson in a tough way for a little kid. Things aren't always fair. I, I recall, uh, it was just, just this past year, just this past week, rather, um, my grandmother uh, would have been 100 years old. Uh, she passed away last year. Uh, didn't quite make it to... Didn't quite make it to, to a century. She was a cricket fan, so she was hoping to make a century. But uh, she didn't quite make it. But towards the end of her life, um, she had been very well for the, the longest time. But just in the last couple of months, it seemed things fell apart. And, and she got this really bad infection in her foot, and they had to amputate her toe. For a 99-year-old woman, okay? They had to amputate her toe, um, and then the, the, after that, they found the, the infection had spread to her foot, so they had to amputate the foot. And, and I was thinking to myself, "This is not, this is not cool. Like this is, like God, do you have to take her piece by piece? This is not right. This is this is not fair. I see no, um, I see nothing redeeming about this." I don't see anything hopeful about this. I don't see how good can possibly come of this. This is just not fair. This is just not right. I know I know we're we're all in church right now and we just got finished singing songs about <coughs> excuse me, about God's faithfulness, you know. I I was the one who was leading the singing. But 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 can we just admit together here um, you know, perhaps maybe really quietly so God doesn't hear us, that sometimes it doesn't seem like God is in control. We're actually going to look at a psalm this morning that was written from the perspective of someone who was going through a season like that, um, a situation that was not fair. But rather than, than brood, rather than lose faith or, or try to pretend like there was no intellectual or emotional dissonance, in the situation. The writer actually brought the situation directly to God in prayer and said, you know, here, here it is. Okay, so we're going to look at that, that passage of scripture together today. Psalm 62. Psalm 62. If you want to, if you've got your Bible, open it up and uh, let's read it together. But at any rate, if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Low-born men are but a breath, and the high-born are but a lie. If weighed in the balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion, or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken... Two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely, you will reward each person according to what he has done. Thus far, the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Lord, um, give us grace this morning. Give me grace to speak, because um, apart from your spirit, I, I, I can't... Speak your word properly and give us all grace to hear. Because uh, apart from your spirit, we are unable to hear your word well. So open us to your presence. Open us to your truth, we pray. For your glory's sake, amen. You can be seated. Um, There are actually a lot of things that I find really comforting about the Psalms. Let me give you just a few. Uh, the book of the Psalms is a, a collection of, of devotional poetry, really, for, for personal and congregational use. It was, it was the, the God's chosen people's songbook. And the fact that God would allow such a vast and, and diverse collection to be preserved in the canon of Scripture is to me an indication that God actually likes to hear from his children, and I find that a comforting thing. Um, and also at times when I feel like I, I maybe don't have the words myself to express what I'm thinking or how I'm feeling, I can turn to the Psalms and, and somewhere in that book of the Bible I can find words. And I find that comforting. And also speaking of diversity of expression, I, I also take a great deal of comfort from the fact ...that the diversity, really the gamut of of human expression we find in the Psalms... ...is is certainly an implied permission to come to God with the full gamut of human feeling. Um, You know, kind of wherever you're at. You know, if you're, like, for happiness or or celebration. I mean, check out, like, Psalm 18 or Psalm 145. It's just filled with joy and celebration... Um, if you're feeling thankful, there's Psalm like 21 or Psalm Psalm 30 um, are are perfect for that kind of thing, Um, for recounting the attributes of God, for if you feel like you're in need too, like a Psalm like Psalm 28 or Psalm 12, Um, if you're feeling deep, dark sadness, if you're feeling fear, if you're feeling, even if you're feeling like anger, even if you're mad, um, you know, Psalm like 109, Psalm 137. These are, these are really angry songs. psalms. They're, they're almost kind of embarrassingly angry um, if, you, if, you, if you read some of these things. But, but, it, but what this does for me when I see these things is, it, is I feel like I have permission then to, to come to God with this sort of full gamut of, of human emotion. Like whatever it is I'm feeling, whatever it is I'm thinking, I can come to God with that. And it was a variety of people actually who wrote the psalm. psalm were, some were written by uh, like King Solomon, some were written by some of the temple musicians like, like Asaph and the, the sons of Korah. Some were anonymous, um, but, but probably um, of the ones that, that are attributed, that we know who wrote them, uh, more were written by or at least attributed to King David than anyone else, um, as is the one we're looking at today, Psalm 62. Um, most scholars agree that David was probably writing this during the time of, of Absalom's rebellion. <coughs> now, I'm not going to go into too much detail about this episode of, of his life today. Uh, you can read it sometime on your own if you want. It's When is it? Where is it? 2 Samuel 14 to 18, somewhere around there, anyway. Um, but it was a rough season for him, both in terms of his, his job as king of Israel and in terms of his family life. Because basically what, what happens is this. David's son, who is Absalom, he basically stages a, a coup. Uh, this was due in part to some dissatisfaction with the manner in which uh, David had, had handled another very significant incident of family drama involving Absalom's sister. And, and it also had a lot to do with Absalom's own pride. But at any rate, he raises this army against his father and declares himself king. Uh, And David, rather than go to war against his own son, he leaves the palace, fleeing, and is basically in hiding from his own son. Um, So by any reckoning, David is not having a good day. Uh, And it's in this context that he writes Psalm 62, where he is contrasting the complete reliability of God with the changeability, on the other hand, of people. So let's, let's just break this down a little bit here. Um, if we look even, if we start even at the, at, well, let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Um, verse 1, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. God is utterly reliable, and the psalmist is choosing to place his hope in him, David, having been forced to flee from his home, was in an unfamiliar surroundings and, and he and he chose to find rest and chose to find uh, refuge in God. Often we can find ourselves in impatient with the manner in which God meets out justice but but David, in the midst of this turmoil, in the midst of this real danger, finds Rest in the Lord. Proverbs 20, says, Do not say I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. This is a central aspect of, of God's character. God is likened uh, to a fortress, a place of strategic retreat for when things got a little bit you know, hot on the outside. Okay, And then verses 3 and 4 how long will you assault a man? Would, would all of you throw him down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. David is likening himself to, to this toppling wall. He, he sees himself as being in this very precarious situation, and of course he was. And so he, he portrays people here as being unreliable, destructive, um, even, 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 even duplicitous. So d- by delighting in the misfortune of others and, and seeing people topple from their lofty places, this is how he portrays sort of his, his enemies. And it would seem that, that not much has changed in the last 3,000 years since this was written. Um, you know, it seems to me that the only thing our, our culture tends to love more than our celebrities is a good celebrity scandal, preferably with pictures. Um, we, 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 we love to see people fall, um, and that's just a, a, a part of our brokenness, a part of our changeability. But even so, he recognizes that God is just, and so that the wickedness of people cannot last forever in the face of a just God. Then in verse 5, David's engaging in a little bit of self-talk here. He says, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. So he's using a lot of the same sort of language he used at the beginning... Um, to encourage himself, to engage in this self-talk, and to, to put his trust in God. He, he talks about God being a refuge. Um, this carries w- with it the, the image of a, of a building or a place, but, but really more than that, um, many cultures in the ancient Near East had built into their culture um, places of refuge. They were, they were considered safe from whomever might have been trying to exact vengeance or to do some kind of violence to them. And by taking refuge in that place, or with that person, um, the idea was that in so much as the the would-be vengeance taker um, loved or revered or or feared that person or place of refuge, they would refrain from doing doing violence out of respect for the refuge. Uh, In Israel, for example, one such place was, was the horns of the altar. Um, you see uh, a couple of instances in Scripture where, where someone is, is under threat in their, in their life, and they go and they, they cling to the horns of the altar. Um, uh, one incident actually is even later in, in David's life, where, where another one of his sons tries to lay claim to the throne. Much drama in this family. Um, makes my frustrations with my kids seem trivial. Uh, but 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 after this minor, this relatively minor, by comparison, uprising was quelled, um, his son uh, Adonijah uh, clings to the, the horns of the altar until he was promised uh, clemency. And the thing is that God offers for those who tr- put their trust in him that kind of protection. Then verse 8. Trust that he, in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Low born men are but a breath. The highborn are but a lie. If, weighs, if weighed in the balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods, though your riches increase. Do not set your heart on them. Uh, not only himself, but the psalmist uh, encourages pe- all people to put their trust in God. Because people are ultimately not reliable, um, it's probably worth noting at this point that that most Bible scholars agree that when David's talking about low-born men, high-born men, he's not trying to differentiate between the two. Um, he isn't saying that you know low-born men are are insignificant but real, and the high-born um, are significant but sort of sort of delusion. Um, this is a sort of a poetic device, I guess, that you find. Throughout um, ancient Near Eastern poetry, wherein the, the two ideas are, are basically being brought together, so th- thus both what, what, what the psalmist is saying is that both lowborn and highborn are of relative insignificance as a source of security, and that the ideal of, of nobility by birth is at best overrated is what David is saying, and he 's also saying that material possessions too are are, are rather flimsy uh, are flimsy recourse when you're looking for ultimate safety, when you're looking for, for ultimate security. And then he finishes off in verses 11 and 12 by saying, one thing God has spoken two things I have heard, that you, O God are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. So having declared these truths, it, it, it feels to me almost as if David is sort of jerked with a, with a, with a rather rude thump from his, his reflections on the character of God and reminded um, that even though God is trustworthy, he's still in a mess. His, his kingdom is in a mess, his family is in a mess. So in the midst of this stark reality... David reminds himself of of his richness, of God's richness. In the midst of, of chaos, David reminds himself of some immutable realities of the universe. And in the midst of so much uncertainty, David reminds himself of some things on which he knows he can rely. Namely, one, that God is powerful. Two, that God is loving. Now, to be sure, believing this, while it is reassuring, um, believing this makes things complicated. It doesn't make things simpler. It makes it complicated. It does. We, we began by this, this morning by conceding that there are times when it feels like almost that God is not loving, but, but that he is vindictive and perverse, and or he's not not powerful at all, but rather pretty pretty feeble, pretty impotent. Um, reconciling all of this is a, a complicated thing to do, to do well, anyway. Um, and, and frankly, it's a little beyond the scope of what we're talking about this morning. Um, if you want to, you can talk to me about that later. Um, theologians and apologists have been working on that one for ages. I'll recommend a book or something. Um, but at any rate... Uh, when David runs into situations that he doesn't understand, he falls back on the things that he does know and understand. God is strong. God is loving. As is always the case with God's word, there's there's a lot to get. And, And while I'm always a little reticent to say anything that might distract you from what God might be saying to you, from his word, um, allow me to share with you a couple of things that I got out of my study of this passage this week. Um, One thing is that you can go to God at any time. Um, Sometimes we can get the feeling that, that we can't go to God in the dark seasons of our lives. But like we said before, one of the things that the Psalms shows us is that God is not scared of our mess. Um, nor does it affect his love for us in any way. Um, I make no real secrets about the fact that I, I, I used to really kind of struggle in the area of pornography. Uh, and one of the more insidious things about that sin in particular, but, but I think about sin in, in general, and even all of our darker feelings, whether or not they're actually sin, is that if we allow them to, They have the potential to isolate us from God. Um, One of the biggest things that helped me to turn a corner with with my issues um, and and begin a journey of healing in that area was the the life-altering, world-changing realization that no matter where I was, uh, no matter what I was doing or feeling or thinking, I could choose, at any moment, I could choose to turn to God and his arms would be open to receive me. If you're going through a season of crisis or of doubt or of fear or of deep sadness or of anger, know this. You do not have to get yourself together before you come to him. He is not put off by your fear he is not put off by your sadness by your disillusionment by your your struggling in faith by your anger with him you can come to him with all of those things you can go to god at any time Um, two Uh, no matter what you're going through god is strong and loving Um, Depending on where you're at, uh, you know, if you're really kind of struggling, if you're really kind of going through it, um, it may be that those words just sort of ring hollow. Um, And I get that. And if that's where you're at today, um, I am really and sincerely sorry. But for those of you who are able to hear it, God is strong, God is loving. Psalm 25.10 assures us that all the ways of the Lord are loving. 1 Corinthians 1.25 tells us that even, even the weakness of God is stronger than any human strength. For those of you who are able to hear it, hear these things that David had learned to be true, and that I, in my modest 41 years, have learned to be true. One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. And if you're not going through it right now, if you're sort of in a feeling like you're in a good place right now, um, don't worry, you will be struggling soon. Well, well, that's true too, but but what I was really going to say was that if you're not going through it right now, you are still part of the body of Christ, and part of being a part of God's body is not to just stand around talking about how great it is to be a part of His body. It's actually doing His work in the world, and part of being God... Part of that is being God's love and being God's strength to people who are going through something. Um, so, so we have the privilege of being, of being God's love and God's strength to people. Now, I'm not talking about someone who's, who is in th- going up to someone who's like in the throes of their, their grief and disillusionment and, and spouting religious cliches at them. Don't worry. The joy of the Lord is your strength, brother. Um, well, I mean, that's true. It, I mean, that's true. But depending on what the person is going through, it, it might also get you punched in the face. Uh, but but maybe you can be the arms of Jesus to give someone a hug today. Maybe you can be the ears of Jesus and just listen. or Or the tears of a God who mourns with his children when they mourn. Maybe yours can be the feet and the hands that that help out with errands or things around the house in a difficult season, in a difficult time. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault a man? Would, you, would, would all of you throw him down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless and in their hearts they curse. Find rest, O oh my soul... In God alone, my hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Lowborn men are but a breath. The highborn are but a lie. If weighed in the balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard that you are. O God, are strong and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. Um, we're going to close in song I'll just get Arthur and David to come on up wherever they're at. Uh, but but let, me, uh, let me pray with you. God, um, thank you so much that so often when we sing of your faithfulness, it's because we've experienced it and we feel it and and we've had an instance of it recently that we can bring to mind. Lord, give us faith to declare you faithful um, even in dark seasons. Give us faith. Give us grace to do that. Lord, we want to look to you. We want to look to you and be radiant. Teach us your ways. Amen.